0: This is the Sky is Blue podcast.
1: Well, hello there. We thought it was time to have a podcast. We've had one since Chesterfield were last top of the league. In fact, we've had quite a lot since Chesterfield were last top of the league. In fact, probably every podcast we've ever done has been <laughs> since, since Chesterfield were last at the top of the league. But we can celebrate after seven games of this National League season, Chesterfield, if I'm not mentioned it already, are top of the league. So uh, uh, me, Phil Tilly, Paul Fisher, Daryl Carpenter and Stuart Basson will be, uh, well, enjoying what's already happened and looking forward to what's not happened yet. We're recording this in between the uh, fourth consecutive win at Hewish Park Yeovil and ahead of a televised match against a team that did the double over us last season, Torquay United, who, despite being long-term leaders of the National League last season, missed out in the uh, playoffs. Aaron Downs, of course, is our assistant manager. And Gary Johnson, the manager who, at a recent lunch event, was named as the manager in the National League he most admires by Chesterfield Gaffer. Um, Mr um, Rowe So uh, he'll be no doubt Looking forward to locking horns With somebody who he has a lot of time for So, seven games played Five wins Two draws An average of two goals a game Clean sheets galore Daryl, what's gone
2: right? Oh, recruitment Phil, first and foremost I think um, uh, Credit to the, to the trust, to the board To the manager Um, We all felt he'd come in uh, And obviously turned the place upside down Last November, December and beyond Did what none of us could see him doing Getting into the playoffs Very unlucky in my opinion to go out But we were short Players who we all rated Because they were better than what we had before He clearly felt weren't good enough And He's certainly not afraid, is he? To um, take a stance, make a decision, whether it should be popular or otherwise, um, and go with his gut, and, yeah, you, you've got to admire him for that. So, recruitment, more than anything.
1: Well, he said p- publicly, hasn't he, that last season he recruited to finish top half, maybe fifth or sixth, but the gap between finishing fifth or sixth and finishing first or second, he said, needs another fresh look. So... People like Joel Taylor, he's probably the best example of the people who who moved out, who'd, uh, who'd found a little niche in last season's team. It's a big thing to do, isn't it? Reshuffle your pack, having had it majorly reshuffled um, the previous season.
2: It's, it's bold, Phil. I mean, Taylor is, as you say, the obvious one. But I mean, Whelan, who I think we all universally like the lad, thought he'd got loads of ability um but clearly there was something that that Ro felt was missing and he couldn't he couldn't get him to perform at whatever level he needed to so that was a bit of a shocker too the wee one for me uh less so with Cairo Mitchell the goalkeepers as we've said I, I would have taken either, either Montgomery or Smith but again he was he was decisive and and went for someone with with all the experience not only at a higher level but at this level in Scott Loach, Um, so yeah, uh, right through the team really Um, and people questioned did we need Jeff King as we got George Carline but I think it showed on Saturday, yeah we do need them both because George is so adaptable, can drop into a multitude of roles and King can come in uh, and you're almost in a situation where you can play two 11s and they're equally as strong as one another. So, quite frightening, really.
1: And recruitment, uh, Paul? Well, you couldn't have recruited much better than 77-man uh, Kabongo Shimanga. Um, we've drooled several times at Calvin Miller, and we drooled after him when he was playing for Notts County against George Carline at the end of, of last season. Fantastic performance on that day. And uh, we've seen glimpses of the likes of Saidu Khan, whilst the goalkeeper has still not necessarily won over every Chesterfield supporter. Five clean sheets in seven matches you can't uh, argue with. And Jamie Grimes has come in and seems a magnet of the ball going towards his head. So, you know, those are, I'm not saying that's all of the, the recruits, but they're the ones who are playing the most significant part. And they're all doing OK, Paul.
0: Yeah, it's how much they've slotted in as well, isn't it? You know, look, look really comfortable into the the starting eleven, don't they? Uh, yeah, Jeff King obviously got injured, didn't he? Against uh Wheelstone and kind of lost his place a little bit there. with brought back against Barn. perhaps didn't have his best game in that one. But Jamie Grimes, yeah, started at the right hand side against Aldershot, and that didn't quite work as well. But he he looks a real, real uh, sort of you know kick him and head him type of centre half, doesn't he? That complements the back three. Um, yeah, done particularly well. Calvin Miller, as you say, slotted in that left hand side, and he's he's played every game um, so far. Or started every game, I should say. He's not played all the minutes. Uh, S- Sadik Khan can't quite get into the starting eleven on a regular basis, can he? So that's because he's got the Mister Consistent Curtis Weston there all the time. And who would have thought? And he's, he's 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 gone against what I thought. I didn't think Curtis Weston would play as many games. Uh, uh, this season. as he, so I thought he'd be the one slotted in when there was a, a bit of an injury, but no, he's, he seems to be the go-to man who can also help defensively as well because he can just slot in like a sweeper just in front of that back three and, and help out. So, But we're all going to be talking about Kabongo Shimanga, aren't we, really, with the seven goals in seven games and the phenomenal uh, start he's had uh, as a Chesterfield player um, with uh, one of the... Uh, simplest of hat tricks he got against Barnett as well didn't he so but that every time we go away don't they that the, all the press uh that speak about you know Shimanga all the time and how much of a talent he is how much uh, other clubs wanted him even in in League One and whatnot and that was a that's a massive massive coup that Chester managed to get there
1: well he stopped the press talking about Tom Denton all the time wasn't he? who used to be the yeah. man they spoke of in the same way but During pre-season, Paul, to pick up that midfield point, it looked like odds on that it would be Oyeleka and Khan with Clark in front of them. And obviously, Jack Clark's injuries has kept him out of of late. But you can't ignore Weston. And you mentioned about that shielding position. He was a supplementary defender at Yeovil in the first 20 minutes of the second half on Saturday, wasn't he? He was sensational. You know, that barrage of six corners, I think it was in a in a row at the
0: start of the second half in inside fifty minutes. You know, that's when Yova were looking their most dangerous, wasn't it? I think uh, up until the hour mark, I think, I think that at that, that point. They were just firing balls in at Loach at the back post to try and he had bodies around him. But Weston was right in the in there as well, you know, so just trying to block and he just sat in front of the back three whenever they were coming forward because um, they had two good wingers didn't they Wakefield and Knowles I felt were really really talented for Yeovil and he just seemed to mop up whenever the ball came through the middle you know he, he just seemed to be casual kept Yusuf out of the way uh, he was no danger Quigley had that header that went across uh, over the bar or whatever that was the closest he come the whole game and he scored five goals this season so and you know, I thought it was uh, a very good defensive play and, and, and Western really does show his worth into that side that he can be so adaptable like that
1: yeah and noel's played as well as uh, anybody's played against us this season's an individual paul didn't he? yeah he
0: certainly was, he was just a whippy winger he was really good he's got a very long throw um and uh, he can take a mean free kick as well so but wakefield on the other side not that one um he's um he was tall and, and sort of rangy, wasn't he, that right-hand side? I think, was he at Wielston last year or something yeah, like that?
1: he played against mm. us for two sides uh, 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 last season, to be honest. He played for Wheelstone and I'll just check who the other team was off the top of my head. I can't quite remember. But he also played for Bromley against us as well. So, he played uh, t- twice uh, again, or for two different teams against us last, last season. Yeah. But, Stuart, uh, um, yeah, it, it's it's made a change looking at, at, at positive stuff at the beginning of a season. I know we had those three wins at the start of our first season in the National League under Martin Allen. And I think we were technically equal top with Grimsby after two matches. But uh, <laughs> Sorry, not with Grimsby, with Halifax after two yeah. matches. Halifax, uh, uh, when we only beat Braintree 1-0 in the third match, I think went ahead on goal difference. Um, So it's just made a change to actually be looking at positive things at the beginning of a season. It's been such a long time.
3: It has, hasn't it? And um, our seven, is it, we've played so far? If you add the five undefeated last season to that, the run is 12 games. Which is yeah,
1: that's just, just National League League games.
3: Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in league oh, format yes. games, obviously, yeah. Which is just over halfway, I think, to our record of uh, of unbeaten games in, in, in leagues, uh, which is twenty one, I think, without defeat, yeah. was it in yeah, ninety five six? Yeah. Um yeah, it, it just does just make such a difference, doesn't it, to be able to talk about Successes. Um, I, I, now, I suppose the cynics among us will start to talk about seasons where we started brightly and faded. But you know, no doubt, everybody will be able to remember plenty of those. But this one, so far, doesn't have that look about it to me. You know, and I think if it, it, you know, we will obviously, because no team ever does go through an entire season undefeated. You know, there will be the occasional setback, but I think there'll be few and far between. Um, I just think we get set up so well you know people kind of go on about we haven't played the same team twice and there's always three or four changes but I think Mr Rowe does you know take a lot of time thinking about the opposition and putting a team out that is set to play each individual game one after the other you know rather than have the you know try and keep the same nucleus of eight or nine players together And, and it's working isn't it look where we are. Yeah.
1: And and what one of the things that's impressed me, Stuart, as well, and it's it's all part of the depth of the squad scenario, mm-hmm. is you know you have a hat trick scorer uh, against Barnet who people weren't really considering as man of the match because there's other oh. people who do that. you know, there's Stephen Payne. What a game! There's been times Back- when when Payne's not scored yet and he's been a terrific oh. player in two or yeah. three games. M- yeah. Miller's caused all sorts of untold pressure carline with mm-hmm. his mr consistency grimes winning head after head and when he's played gunnings just Actually, st- grimes looks as though he's played 600 games for this club doesn't he yeah. he just
3: came in put his shirt on went out and started playing like he knew the place backwards knew everyone you know known everyone for 10 years played alongside everyone for all that time i i mean i don't know where he's been and, and why he's you know, with all due respect to some of the teams he 's played for, why he 's not being you know you look at some of these players we 've signed and you know and i 'm not talking about the big name ones you know the, the reputational ones like um, cabby and people like that, but if you look at Grimes and you look at some of the other you know gunning people like that, if we 'd have had them when we were getting players like El fittori and that mm-hmm. Fapula chap, you know we wouldn 't be in this mess would we if we 'd have gone out and managed to get hold of you know, four or five honest, starred working professional footballers instead of somebody from QPR's under-21 team that nobody's ever heard of, you know, although the one I choose happens to be a Tunisian international, I think. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, we got players in this team who you look and you think, how is it that they've not played further up the league? Carline, what's yeah. he been doing all his life? You know?
1: No, I, I absolutely right. And to to just finish that sort of particular story off, probably a fraction of the cost that of a lot of the dross that's oh, been in the past.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, every time we go out and and you know replace one player with another player, we seem to manage to do it on less money, which you know. Which is, it's is a quite an achievement.
0: to the previous board, isn't it? Uh, well, absolutely, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah you I thought that it's... you know to attract a player to Chesterfield, you had to pay them kind of three thousand pound a week or something. Well, no.
1: But it's it's also not only about the board, Paul. It's also about yeah. managers not shopping right. You know, mm-hmm. we we had Dean Saunders sort of saying he wants to shop in Marks and Spencer's, not Lidl, or whatever it was, and then shopped at uh, at dot com, <laughs> uh, or charitycase. It's the us. Red Cross. It was, yeah. but but yeah, the 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 difference between James Rowe and anybody we certainly had in the National League, and those that have followed from. Paul Cook is he follows the philosophy of if they're a good player and they're prepared to work hard, mm-hmm. I can make them a good part of the team, and it's working for Yeah,
0: yeah, oh indeed. I mean that was always the sort of uh, scenario, wasn't it? We we harp on about about um, um you know um. The philosophy of of Paul Cup bringing players in like Carl Lamb, you know, for example, you know, if they're a good good striker, they'll score goals anyway, you know. Even though we never actually got to see him, but he was there for that long, wasn't he? But yeah, indeed, if he fits into the system, then obviously it, it kind of works, doesn't it? You know, it's not just a like, like you said, it, just because he's he plays for QPR doesn't necessarily make him a good player, does it? So you know, it's, mm. it's although. Osman Kakai is is quite regularly playing in the championship side for QPR right now. But <laughs> I know, bad choice, but but but, 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 the, but, but some, some point sometimes is valid
1: it's a place <laughs> about you know some some average players all be better when they're playing in better teams. Yeah. Because they'll be fed the ball better. They don't have to necessarily go and fetch it. Some players mm. are quite good if it's put on a plate, but not very good at going and fetching. Um, but in the National League you need ones who are good at going and fetching. Mm. And, and 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 battling for a you know people like, oh, you like it? Uh, um, who just well okay I've not got the ball so let's go and get it you know yeah. and, and you've got you've you've got to pick the right people for the right format and the level that you're playing at and then as mm. Stuart alluded to earlier on pick the right eleven to deal with what you want to do and the opposition as mm. as well so uh, yeah. so yeah we had we had that marquee signing of Danny Rowe last season. Missed out at Yeovil because of of illness, despite there were plenty of uh, conspiracy theories going around there. It was just it was poorly, you (laughs) know, and everything along those lines, wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, um, you know, it, it was difficult when gunning. Had to go off with his broken nose. I would have liked to have been the person to tell Gavin he wasn't carrying on. Oh, no,
3: no, <laughs> fair. I wonder what he got. I think broke. That, whoever that might
1: have been, <laughs> may have got a broken nose as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but that that run of of gu- uh, that gunning made after scoring the free kick to find Danny Rowe, I think summed up so much. Daryl, what Chesterfield's all about at the moment.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you could just imagine him milking it for days afterwards in training. Couldn't oh. you, Mad Gav? Um, the, the spirit, the togetherness, they clearly all bought into what the manager is trying to do. Um, I, I don't know if any of you went to the open training session they did um, before the season kicked off. No, I, I, I didn't. I couldn't know. make it. I'm I being of a retired persuasion now, I, I went down for an hour. Do you know what? I found it fascinating because we were working quite clearly uh, in certain parts of the pitch on patterns of play and, and how to switch the ball and open up space and move it from side to side. And When when you watch watched a session like that and then you go into the games, you can see they're carrying out exactly the same philosophy. Mm. It's fascinating. Uh, and a real insight into how and if they're doing that on that one occasion, they're doing it day in, day out. So there's a coaching philosophy there that I think's along with the team spirit, picking, as you said earlier, Phil, the right team for the right opposition. I think he's, we, we knew last year he was meticulous, but I think he's gone to a different level. Mm. Uh, and when you look at, we've had we've had a great start, let's be honest. I think the only the only point we're probably gnashing our teeth at is Dover. Uh, Br- Bromley was always going to be difficult, and yes, the circumstances were a bit painful, but, you know, you'll you put up with one of them every now and again. But I think everybody thought we should have won at Dover. But maybe we, you know, most people would have taken a point on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they were flying, weren't they? Oh, well, they won three on the trot. Or something. Three, on the trot. Yeah. three in the
1: yeah. at Stockport last week, yeah, yeah. and, they, and they'd had no midweek games, so we're fresher. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't think we've anything really to moan about. And, and the other thing, Incidentally, whilst whilst it's fresh in my mind, the one thing that doesn't surprise me is Grimsby being up there because I was really impressed with them when we played them mi- uh, pre-season. Hmm. Oh, no. funny if I wasn't. There you go. It Just shows how different yeah. people are.
0: Yeah, I thought they were striker missing. Yeah. Uh, they they needed a striker and they've got one now, haven't they? So, uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yes, they're, they're yeah they're the. Uh, the best-positioned team, sort of, aren't they? If they win their game, mean, I don't know, you've got to go out and win it. But if they win it, they'd be top. But uh, uh, you know, there there is a a gap starting to appear. Um, th- three unbeaten teams left in the division now, all you know, big clubs in inverted commas for this for this level, which uh, um, is I, I suspect good for those traditionalists amongst us that do like to see some of the league teams getting back. Uh, uh, back in, in into the fold, but um, yeah, the, the yeah we we heard everybody who ever played for John Duncan, who was the last clean sheet king, really. Um, that it was all about knowing what they had to do on the pitch, and whilst uh, the philosophy of the game and the philosophy of coaching has moved on so much since John Duncan was here, that. Understanding your job, Stuart, is clear, isn't it, with the current team and matches the philosophy that John Duncan used to have?
3: Well, absolutely. it It, it, it is the organisation of it. And, you know, people would, would acknowledge that John Duncan was skilled, very skilled in that department um in such a way as to make it sound like a criticism sometimes um but no here we have another manager who hates conceding goals Only you know he, he loves the clean sheets as much as he loves the tishwanger hat tricks doesn't he He, uh, you know and, and yet I, I think because probably because he has um attacking Players, you know, with an attacking philosophy in his side, um, he he doesn't get the criticism that uh, John used to get. John used to used to like a one nil, didn't he? You know, but I'm sure it's
1: two nils, he hated two nils, <laughs> wasted well, goal, wasted you
3: know, goal. Pe- well, people say two nils the worst scoreline in football, don't they? So why would you want to go and score a second one? You know, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, mate. If 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 we can win. Every game 1-0 and go up, I'll have every game 1-0, you know. Yeah, they and, take it. And, you it. know, and, and if, if, if in order to do it we had to have a 54-year-old Chris Perkins at left back, I'd have that as well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get out of the division. You know, then we can talk about whether it was pretty or not. As, as just, it happens, it is, yeah, you
1: know. Yeah, but there's plenty of people, Paul, still saying that the quality of the opposition hasn't been... Uh, uh, all the way there. I know Daryl alluded to Yeovil sort of being been flying a little bit, but uh, uh, um, you know all the shot have not been racking up the the points. Uh, Bromley perhaps haven't started as well as as they finished last season. Let's uh, let let's say and uh, the Kings Lins of this this world, you know aren't, aren't going to uproot trees at the top end of the. The division, so yeah, there is a, an element of some of the better teams that we expect to be at the end haven't been in opposition yet, Paul.
0: Yeah, we to got to put them away, haven't you? Uh, of course, and it was that first game against Oldshot, incidentally changed their manager today as well. So, oh, all right. right. I'm <laughs> <answer.
1: Yeah. laughs>
0: They sank. Uh, the, Barnett's
1: uh, yeah. got rid of Harry Kuehl as well.
0: Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Uh, Aldershot have appointed Mark Molesley as the new boss, who was sat oh, the
1: Bournemouth, lad. Uh, to
0: the left of me working for BBC Surrey on the opening day of the, the season. So he's now got the job with former manager Terry Brown as assistant, I think, or something like that, anyway. So they've made a quick change of Aldershot because they've not quite got off to the start that they particularly wanted. or I don't think they're going to be up there anyway. But anyway, they've have done that. Um, oh yeah, exa- exactly. You've got, you put the thing is, you've got to put away the sides that you, uh, you've, um, you've, uh, you've, you're up against, aren't you? So that's exactly what we've been doing and not conceding uh, unless the two against Bromley as well. And the, the two sort of slapdash goals that they conceded against Barnet, albeit with two deflections uh, that they, uh, they conceded, but it's only four goals conceded in seven games. I mean, you, and two of those are in, in two games. So you, you take that, wouldn't you? You know. So, and it's about momentum. Look, we've had a good start with seventeen points in, top of the table by a point. You know, what would people prefer that we weren't in that particular thing? Just because you know we haven't played Notts County, Wrexham, etc., etc. Saturday was a real test. On Saturday, for fifteen minutes, we we're up against the Kosh at the start of the second half, and they got through it. You know, and I was really pleased for them as well because you know, I say barrage of cor- corners coming in. You know, the goalkeeper made one save, tipped over the bar. And, you know, they had lots of pressure in terms of possession, but not many chances. And that's exactly what the defence has been doing this year. And I think, you know, to say that we haven't played other other sides, I think it's been a bit, um, sides of of quality. I think it's true, but, you know, it's been a bit harsh on the other sides as well.
1: And we forced at half-time, Paul, Yeovil to change their uh, views. OK, it was 2-0 at half-time, but they've been playing with uh, uh, Quigley. Up front, Yusuf's you, been a, a sub in every game and come on in every game. They've been playing that uh, uh, um, formation, that sort of 4-5-1 uh, formation all, all season. it has been pretty successful. They've won three quarters of the game, 75% win rate. So we've, we've forced them to change it. Exactly. I mean, he's got five goals this season quickly. You know, he,
0: he scored against Stockport and other other clubs as well. You know, he, he's, he's 24 years old there quickly, just note about him. And he's on his 15th club. <laughs> you know, in loan, um, But obviously, uh, as the BBC Somerset colleague uh, alludes to, Sheridan, she said, well, obviously somebody sees something in him, you know, to, to take him on loan, you know, at 24. He's obviously got something about him. He's on the best goal scoring run of his career and we largely kept him out, you know, yeah. so in, into nothing. So, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that was a real test and we got through it.
1: Yeah, no, he only really had one... Uh, um great chapter, header apart and that was when he went round scott loach and then you could just see him caught in two minds whether to because he was right by the byline whether to to shoot dribble or pass and he just took that nano second too long didn't he and that was
0: from an illegal throw that james rowe pointed out there's eight yards further on than it should have been
1: <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i've
1: yeah, seen the thingy hmm. I yeah, didn't point out the several that happen in every match, to be honest. If you, <laughs> But mm-hmm. but the goal that Shimanga scored on Saturday at Yeovil Darrell showed that quick thinking is what it's all about. Because he was second favourite when Scott Loach put that route one ball forward, wasn't he? He'd got, he'd got two defenders with him and uh, he was second favourite. But he had one aim and went for that. And his speed of thought and his speed of foot got him that goal. Yeah, I mean, if you were
2: if you were their manager, you'd be pulling your hair out because the, neither to half attack the ball. If you're James Rowe, you're thinking, great thinking by Loach, He's looked up, seen he's on a potential one-on-one, two-on situation, but we know he's got pace. Just hit it, just and hit it effectively, which is what he did. And the way he went past. The first guy with pure pace and then strength and pace off the second one. And to keep his balance, as he did, with the keeper coming at him at a rate of knots and still have the wherewithal to poke it home, that, that was a finish, wouldn't it, really? That that was a top, top-class finish. You might call it a route one goal, but if you're, if you're James Rowe, you, you sat there purring, aren't you? with that oh you, it was a thing of beauty a thing of yeah. beauty no question about that
1: and talking yeah. about uh, goals, stuart as the hmm. uh, major arbiter of the dubious goals panel in uh, <laughs> in the future history hmm. who, uh, who who who's got who, scored, um, who the first one at Yeovil? um
3: well it was a blue blob on the highlights um, yeah. I mean yeah. I, I could not the highlights
1: I, yeah, uh, you know, I had my binoculars out to watch the highlights. Uh,
3: yeah, absolutely. And somebody runs up and appears to kick it, and then everyone's leaping about. I mean, you can't tell where the ball went, which post it hit, if it hit anybody on the way there or the way back. You know, unfortunately, we we well say unfortunately. Why not? We rely on eyewitnesses um, to uh, to give us their informed opinion. Really? Well, I but, think
1: uh, Paul and I both were of the opinion that it was a uh, Grant Smith own goal, but we wouldn't mm-hmm. argue too much about Oyaleka. And I did see a no. tweet from uh, Oyarica that said, "Great to get on a score sheet." Yes. Which the first response from Jeff King says, "Well, you didn't score."
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, good oh, oh, team spirit there. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I uh, having a leaning towards the historical side of it, I, uh, as I think I tweeted at the time, I've not found a case of a former Chesterfield player scoring an own goal for us, ever, mm-hmm. so it would be nice to have had a first, but you know, it, it would also be nice for Manny Oyeleka to get 10 this season that yeah. being one of them, you know Yeah, no so uh, i absolutely right I, I,
1: I think I, it'll I've go down like in the yeah.
3: record as Oyeleka, Yeah, asterisk you know, some, some credit this is a Smith own goal
1: yeah, because, of course, we've seen ones like that. It could have been on its way, and it could have been going across the mm. line. And the other well, post and gone in, we've seen ones do that, haven't we? Worst
3: but, one I've ever seen was Byron Webster, was it? The Burton Albion player? Yeah. Putting one into the north stand at the new ground that yeah. was going to go 18 yards wide if it hadn't have hit Derek Niven and yeah. flown in. Yeah. And they yeah. gave the goal to Webster, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I mean, How thing. on target does a shot have to be on target for it to yes, be the so player's that, goal?
1: Absolutely. And we mm. we 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 alluded to the Barnet deflections earlier on, and having mm. seen much better quality, one of the Barnet deflections from uh, the lad Granville clearly deflected off his own player Marriott, yeah. and that to be down good. as Marriott. No. Yeah. not his mm-hmm.
0: goal.
3: It yeah. it it it's you know people are going to argue the toss about it. It, you know, it, well, hopefully people will have more important things to talk about in their lives. But those like us that haven't are going to argue about it for years to come. Yeah. Um, you know, that and all the, just the just other off. ones going back through history. Yeah. It, uh, I, I found one going back um, to the early 50s that was given. Uh, I'd, I'd read an original report in the Derbyshire Times and it said that so-and-so had a shot and it hit an opposition player who tried to clear it off the line but hacked it into his own net. So you, you see that description. You think, oh, I'll we'll give it to the Chesterfield player. But I've since read another match report which says that the Chesterfield player was actually taking an indirect free kick. So if yeah. you take the opposition player out of the picture and the ball goes straight in, no goal. So it has to be an own goal. Yeah. Otherwise, it isn't a goal. You
1: know, they, 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 these are important matters of life. They right?
3: are, they are. I mean,
2: nineteen
3: p- ju- p- stuff, Brexit. That's talk 70s. about our own
2: goals. You know, much more important. <laughs> <laughs> <He> <laughs> might so, be important to Manny if he's got a goal bonus. He might. Well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: Hmm. Well, he should have. He should have hit. He shouldn't. Well, he missed, and he hit the post. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a, sh- a shot that hits the post is not recorded as a shot on target. Uh, so he
3: scored with a with, with a shot that wasn't on target.
1: Then, yeah, absolutely. not many players
3: do that, apart from him and Byron Webster. Yeah. But <laughs> <And I've
1: thought laughs> well, anyway, a, a, a pretty good a pretty good start to the uh, mm-hmm. to the season. We've talked about the camaraderie, the uh, the the team, the togetherness, and uh, and everything else. So, uh, well, I will tell you what, we'll be back in a sec, and we'll talk about an awful lot more of stuff including off the field stuff and we'll take some questions on the sky's blue podcast well paul uh, um or director as we should call you so just calling for uh, half-time intervals and all that sort of stuff to enable us to uh get our orange uh uh intake or whatever um you've you, you've been encouraging a question or two and i think you've got two or three as well so fire away with some of our uh, our public's questions
0: okay so we have one and we'll start with uh, an easy one first natural actual cool. um <laughs> oh, I, I say easy now but um uh, i might be a, Regretting that. Uh, So all I'll ask is, it's from Legends of the Spire, and uh, I understand one of our four has been uh, moonlighting onto another Mm. one as as a guest. (laughs) I understand. Maybe he wants to answer that one himself. But uh, first of all, uh, Dave says, all I'd ask of you is you could put one player from Chesterfield FC history into this team, this current team we've got now. Who would it be? I mean, wow, that is a... uh, How many players have played for Chesterfield Football Club, Stuart? thousand and something there we go so you've got yeah. a thousand to choose from good luck daryl
2: <laughs> well i'll take it i'll take you first as i uh i was the one moonlighting obviously um with, without permission i hasten to um, add. <laughs> the um i thought about this earlier because i was sad enough to see the question come in and uh i put craig davis in i put yeah. Craig davis up front with come on and I think the whole division would be terrorised. Craig Davis is the one season, of course, that he had for us. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Craig yeah, well,
1: well, that, that might mean we'd have to bring John Sheridan back as manager because he was the only man that ever got anything out of <laughs> Craig Davis.
3: Uh, he could have a place on the bench as Davis' personal manager so long as he didn't get involved in anything else.
2: <laughs> I, I thought Craig up front with Schemanga would would do for me. Yeah. Mm.
1: No, that's 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 no bad call. That they're all—it's uh, not necessarily one I would have thought of, but it's one that I uh, I know where you I know where you're coming from. No, uh, no, no, no question about it. Um, I, I, I would probably go for somebody with Jack Clark being out injured at the moment. I'd probably go for somebody in the in the number ten role. And mm-hmm. if we're looking relatively recently, somebody like Jay O'Shea who uh, 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 could, could really create a, a, a thing or two in that in that area has probably been since we moved to the new ground. I know it's in history, but if we keep it relatively recent, it's, uh, you know, it is fresher in people's memory. Um, but of course, Gary uh, Roberts could operate pretty well there. But I am going to say without any shadow of a doubt, my man to fit in the team because he's a play anywhere and he'll do anything will be Sam Lucas. Uh, oh yeah. Uh uh okay. yeah he is Mr wherever you want to play him he'll do a job. So uh, he did play a few games in, in that number 10 role. Uh he played as a as a second striker on occasions left back you name it he he did it. So uh, I I I'd, I'd say Sam Klukas Oh. Paul.
0: It, uh... Oh, um I was going to go to that sort of similar squad as well but I was going to go with uh, Jimmy Ryan as my uh, sort of midfield general, that one who can just is good attacking, it's good defending as well. Although he's tackling, what did let him down on occasions, but I felt that there's always a goal in him coming from deep, and I, I feel he would add a little bit more to the uh, um, you know, the defensive midfielders we've got sort of in the in the squad now. Is he slot Jimmy Ryan in? Alongside Curtis Weston, for example. He's the one who would go forward and help out Jack Clark and and whatnot to help uh, with the attack. So, yeah, Jimmy Ryan for me.
1: Jimmy Ryan. And Stuart, you, you probably couldn't name the uh, entire 1000 whatever and go a little bit out every one of them. So well, there was a there fellow in the 1870s. Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: well, I'm, I'm thinking of the midfield and I'm thinking of Oylecker and Khan, and we're looking for someone to play in front of those, a midfielder. Would Alan
1: Birch play there? I think he could.
3: Hmm. Hmm. He might I be an interesting man to watch. Um I mean it, if it, I go know... he'd
1: shed a pound or two if he if he came now though. <laughs> well time.
0: absolutely, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll,
0: my my did... memories my memories of Alan Birch are the second coming of Alan Birch in nineteen eighty three or whatever it yeah. is, and it's not the same one that disappears. No. Were for everybody else before that. No, Phil had the
3: good fortune to see him in his pomp, as I'm sure Daryl did as well. So they would be able to tell us, you know, of his genius and all of that. Yes.
1: On his his home debut against Hartlepool in the Cup, he scored a goal of such quality that nobody at Saltergate could quite believe what they'd just seen. And uh, he looked mm. embarrassed to have scored it because it was that good. And Mm. it was all of a sudden, it was a, well, we've seen him play for Walsall and he's done all right. But he was never quite that good and then mm. he carried each on for two seasons didn't he so,
3: yeah. yeah and the problem for, for from a historical kind of perspective of trying to pick a player to fit into James Rowe's system is that the system itself hasn't been about for very long has it so you no. can't as Paul and I were saying before we started you can't really pick a centre-half from a hundred years ago um and have them playing in in as one of a back three you know there was only one center half and he more often than not was was playing as a sort of a deep lying forward half the time and it's all very complicated but uh players who would have embellished the side and caught rose attacking philosophy i think billy lineker would have done yeah. um but then you have to leave out miller um or, or king to get him in. Um, I, I would, just because I would have liked to have seen him play, probably Jimmy Cookson up front with, uh, with Cabby.
1: Oh, Who of course was in my, uh, was in my thoughts earlier when we heard the sad news about Jimmy Greaves uh, hmm. passing because Jimmy Greaves became the fastest man ever to a hundred goals in the football league in, in number of appearances to beat the record that Jimmy Cookson, Previously held yes. from the 1920s. Yeah, yes.
3: most of those goals Jimmy scored at Chesterfield, I think, as well, yeah, weren't they? West they? West um, just West a few at West Brom. Brom. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so, you know, that was my immediate thought when I heard about uh, about mm. Jimmy Greaves, that fellow Jimmy Cookson yeah. uh, uh, was the man who held the, the, the quickest 100 goals record and mm. probably is still the second quickest in all time. I don't think anybody's yeah. got anywhere near what Jimmy Greaves no. uh, no. uh, 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 achieved. I was reading some of the yeah. obits today. And when he was just going through the hat tricks, because his, his spell at Chelsea to start his career was impressive scoring, hmm. but it didn't measure up to what it did when he started at the Spurs, when it was yeah. a hat trick, four, four, five, two, <laughs> four, five, you know, and it oh, well, wow, you know, and uh, it, it elevated him into something uh, something very special. Sad that I never saw him play live. But, no, um, yeah, there the, the you go. So uh, a, a, a great loss. Thanks for that uh, question, Dave. What next, Paul? Yes, well, there's a reverse of that. (laughs) Oh, Uh,
0: this, but make it the worst player you can think of, and the example shown by Keelan. Thanks for getting uh, in touch with us. There would be amusing to line up with Boa Morte playing left wing back, so taking over your Klukas role, role. but Bo Morte actually was pretty good, I thought. What do you think he did that? Right? He, 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 okay. he was on his way down
1: when he came to Chesterfield, but yes. fucking heck, he with loads of caps for Portugal and medals and all sorts of stuff, didn't he? Oh, so yeah. uh, I think Keelan, if you think he's the worst player ever, you're obviously not as old as us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you should have come a season uh, or two I, I, earlier. I would have hmm. to slot in. There's no question. I'm going to go first on this one. I'm going to, uh, to, 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 to use my position to uh, get in there first. And it would be Alan Boxall for Mad Gow. (laughs) 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 Alan Boxall for Mad Gow would would render the team onto a different level, sadly not upwards. You were going to say him, weren't you, Des? Oh,
2: yeah. Uh, By far the worst (laughs) (laughs) player. For
0: For a thousand players. Two of us on this podcast Pick him
2: out. Outstandingly (laughs) bad. I mean, shocking. Well, I'd have, I'd,
3: I'd, sorry, I'd have picked him as well. I have never saw him play, but I've heard so many people bang on about how rubbish he was.
1: I've only ever known two Chesterfield players booed when they came on the park. Terry Curran was one of them, sub oh. against Grimsby, and Alan Boxall was at Doncaster at Bellevue. <laughs> and, uh, he, he had a few games at Scunny as well, didn't he? And, uh, yeah. Uh, And we'd not learnt by watching him play for Scunny But Mm. Part time -time player I believe I think he was a school teacher Stuart if I remember
3: Yeah I believe he was Yeah, Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what he taught I hope it wasn't association football But uh, (laughs) You know (laughs) Um,
1: So Boxall's on a hat trick Paul is he Uh, he going to become the next David Reeves Four timer uh, Yeah no I am I'm
0: not going to go for him because I have Vague, vague memories of him, but obviously I'm too young to pick up the whether he was Rucks
2: or not. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, here
0: realize we go. I'd pick up. It was, uh, <laughs> it was Laurie Pearson. He came on really? as a substitute at Shrewsbury mm. last sort of quarter of an hour. His first touch, he picked up a yellow card. Mm. And then it was completely anonymous, and we never saw him again after that. He didn't <laughs> touch the ball. I, 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 I don't think he actually touched the ball. I think he got a yellow card, and we never saw him again. And that was it. Well, okay, I
1: forgot he was... existed until you just
3: revealed yeah. <laughs> We had a few. I do, we had a bloke at Rochdale, last match of a season, and I think we won there. We went there and got absolutely muddled. Um, Scott Copel, I think his name yeah, was, Scott son of, yeah, yeah, son sort of. of Frank, but Dundee United. Yeah, Legend. yeah, yeah, remembered only by any of us for being. Winded by the football at some point during the game, and spend most of it rolling round clutching his stomach. Poor man, you know.
1: But well, I'm, we had I'm a centre off... sure.
3: half. Sorry, go on.
1: I'm pretty I, I'm sure just... that that one and only uh, Copel match ended up with him being selected for the drug test, and he wasn't able to provide the sample for a long time, and therefore, and also missed his train back to Scotland.
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he got his papers from us before he provided the sample.
1: <laughs> i don't
3: know there was a there was a bloke we had in uh the 1900s who um when we didn't have a reserve team and the only way we could try players out was by playing them in the football league team seeing what they were like we had a guy from liverpool play for us came and, and i think we were playing at glossop or somewhere and um half time they swapped places with Herbert mundy so that less damage would be done and this bloke went left wing at the end of the game he Put his coat on We gave him his train fare And told him to go home Don't come yeah. back You're not coming back To Chesterfield with us mate Go back to Liverpool <laughs> Yeah <laughs> So we've had a few We've had, well, a, we had few, a few haven't
0: we? We. And then most of them From vague memory all appeared under John Duncan Where he gave him <laughs> Gave him half a game Towards the yeah. end of I mean, yeah. he went We'd secured our yeah. position at the table, and you thought, well, I'll try a lot of things here. Yeah. Yeah. Jean Jacques Missy Missy half a game oh. as well at Dillingham.
1: Yeah. yeah, but, yeah,
3: but what, a, what a name. You can't. I you can't.
0: He
1: went Missy Missing through. after that. Uh, and and uh, I, I, went, I went with a few pals, including uh, Howard Burrell, to a game at uh, Anderlecht several <laughs> years later. They were playing La Louviere. <laughs> And uh, they were wondering why some, re- some irrelevant English people in the stand were going berserk when the La Louvier team was read out and it included Jean-Jacques Missy-Missy. Uh, so fantastic. we were we were unfeasibly excited <laughs> that he'd been found.
3: You might actually watch 90
1: minutes people. of him.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Chuck, speaking of uh, former Chesterfield players, um, well, one player who only played in the... Um, in reserve because we couldn't get a uh, an international permit for him. I think was Honor Gumbani. Yes. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, I I saw him play um, against Sir Kilbruger mm. um, for a. I think he played for the uh, Germano Beer Shot. I think. Yeah, he did uh, play uh, the beer shot. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, came on and played for for them against Sir Killbrugge. So he came, with, but he wasn't actually a world player for, for vague memory because he he'd only played in a couple of friendlies.
3: Yeah,
1: hadn't they, he? I, I think he'd beefed up his um, his um, international credentials. Well, I,
3: yeah, and I also think his birth certificate came from the same people that provided Carnu's birth certificate as well. <laughs> and you know, he said he was like 21 or something,
1: and he was actually about uh, 28
3: I, or something like that.
1: As the original, uh, as the original. Belgian Spyrites, uh, uh, who are uh, Danny Kirschkamp, Sven Kirschkamp, and and, uh, and uh, Johan, uh, uh, are Royal Antwerp fans. Um, you know, I've, I've become a Royal Antwerp fan, and of course, German Beerschot are their deadly rivals, but yeah. they don't call them Beerschot. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call them, yes, exactly.
3: Mm. Yeah. But it's I can imagine. <laughs>
1: So one mm. one more question,
0: uh, uh, Paul. Yes. I think you've got. Well, it's a a long long winded one. It comes from John oh, well, Beck. Uh, so you can you can start with this, Daryl, again, because you uh, you know and the trust has handled matters pretty well since taking over, and pretty sure majority of fans happy with what they've achieved. So with this in mind and keeping things in context, is the announcement of Mike Warner in what appears a pointless role something of an own goal? It's not gone down well with the various degrees of angst, despite his apparent financial assistance over the years. He was part of the regime at the darkest time in our history, and his attitude at AGMs was questionable, to say the least. What's what's to be gained by this appointment?
2: Okay, we could um, we could speculate on the reasoning behind it, but I. I believe it to be this, and and this is purely uh, of of my own opinion. I believe that part of the deal to buy the football club from Dave Allen became dependent on uh, one or more of the people who were owed money um, being paid by Dave Allen. My understanding right or wrong was that he wouldn't meet that obligation to pay off money owed to Mike Warner. But when Mike became aware that if he held on to the fact that um, he he was going to get paid, uh, that the deal would collapse, that Mike, knowing it was the trust, knowing it was almost last chance again, and he'd been involved in one or two last chance saloons in the past, uh, gracefully, um, generously agreed to waive um, the money that was owed to him so the deal could complete. Now there may be no truth in that, but I I suspect there is some truth in it. We will never know because of uh, contractual constraints. I'm sure there are confidentiality clauses in the uh, document that, that they just signed with Dave Allen, and that will be part of it. But if that was the case, and in recognition of that, uh, to put on, uh, to give Mike, and let's be honest, it's an honorary title. It has no power. Mm. But in just in recognition of what he's done for the club over many years, I personally think it's a very small price to pay. Um, that that having been said, uh, Mike was involved on many an occasion when the club was successful. Uh, and for those people who don't know Mike probably as well as one or two on here that know Mike, he was never one to see the limelight. He just enjoyed um, being on the board, getting involved, um, Lent money on numerous occasions to the club, a number of occasions he, ne- he never got it back. Worked with regimes from Norton, Lee and beyond. Certainly stepped up to the plate along with others when the club was in a very dark place in the Darren Brown time. Um, and again, many would say he and John croup might have fallen on their sword with what was happening with Dave Allen in, in more recent times. I personally, I'm more of the opinion that you're better to be inside rather than out. And I think it took both of them, and particularly John in this instance, an awful lot of guts to stay on and stay on the board and and at least know what was happening with the club. Because without them being there, there'd be no deal with the trust. I've absolutely no doubt about it. Um, I think John mentions in his question, Paul, did he, about Mike's antics at the AGMs? Yes. Yeah. And and, and, uh, and I would say that I I stood at the last couple of AGMs when Mike was chairman. And let's face it, it wasn't a job he either wanted or, or was particularly cut out to do. And I did think he was dismissive of people and tried to make a joke of it. And I think that... That certainly rubbed up one or two, including me at the time. But I tell you what, Mike, Mike Warner's heart has always been in the right place. So that's you asked the question, I've given you my answer.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you've answered that very well, uh, uh, Darren. I've known Mike for a long time, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, and I'm, I'd like to think that we've been we've been pals for most of that. And I, I got to know him very well during the Darren Brown and immediate uh, uh, time after. After that, I'd known him from before that, of course. But, uh, you know, in 2001, when the Sterling Consortium came knocking on the door, demanding a significant amount of money instantly, uh, he was a man who came up for it, came up with it. There would have been a a winding up order on the club had that not have occurred. It just bought that little bit of time for the club to, to, you know, CFSS, who'd literally just taken over the club uh, at that time to be able to, sift and sort through what the mess was and just for that action he should have probably been made a vice, chair, a vice president at that time so uh, uh, you mm. know forget other stuff later on and writing off the, uh, uh, the, the loans that were there to him but I agree with what you say he was never cut out to be chairman he didn't want to be chairman I've had the conversation with him many times one-to-one that he, uh, he didn't want that he'd got no uh, executive authority at all and it was only to uh, uh, to to fill the role which, with a football league club, you seemingly have got to have had, so uh, uh, or you know a, a league club you've got you've got to have. So, yes, I can understand it winding people up, but I, I see it from the the same viewpoint that that Daryl's just outlined that sometimes it's better being in there and uh, and understanding. Yes. And I wholly agree that the trust deal wouldn't have happened if John and, and Mike had have not been on the inside at that. Uh, <coughs> at that point and Stuart. well yeah um i don't know mike um, i think i've
3: said hello to him two or three times in the course of the time that he and i have been at chessfield football club but um but that's not big but that's because i tend not to, to to sort of mix in the in the circles in the parts of the stadium where where you know mike and and his fellows inhabit um but um that that's you know that that has no bearing on anything I think as we're talking about involvement in um in some sort of rather despicable regimes i think uh I think we have been better served by having people like Mike and John on the inside as comparatively powerless as they were than we would have by having Mike and John. Sort of flounce out in some, you know, sort of great show of principle or whatever, um, and left Mr. Allen and his his colleagues um, to do whatever they wanted to do with nobody even sort of standing there watching them as pa- as powerless as you are. If you're standing watching somebody, you can deter them from doing yes. things. Yes.
1: You know. And and, and you know. I suspect, I don't know this, but I suspect the person who's put the most money in to this club and not got it back is Dave Allen by 10 million miles and 10 million pound mm-hmm. notes or more, I suspect. Mm-hmm. But about next in the table is Mike Warner, because yeah. a lot of the other people who were so-called benefactors weren't. They mm-hmm. were on loans and debentures. They got their money yeah. back, bought shares, yeah. they sold shares and everything mm-hmm. along those lines. But Mike, Mike Warner's lost genuine mm-hmm. money that will make a difference to his pension
3: yeah yeah i'm not entirely sure that everybody that was involved um while dave allen was on the was involved at the club has got all of their money back um but i'm i'm as certain as you are i feel that mike warner has lost most out of all of them you know and it's perhaps and uh, 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 you know it, it, it is not the most wealthy of those, you know, and can afford to lose it like that. That that Sterling consortium thing you were talking about earlier, Phil. Uh, I believe that money that Mike gave to the club was unsecured. It time. certainly was. Right? Yeah.
1: And Mike yeah. was then uh, uh, encouraged by others to secure it against Saltergate much than that, mm. that is uh, his initial intention. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. So oh, it was just of, others of. Yeah.
1: Sometimes mm. persuaded people because they 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 want everybody on the board to have done the same thing. Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not to have done that at the time. Mm.
3: So. so it was very much a case of here's a hundred thousand pounds or whatever it was, and we'll worry about it later.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks Rich. for that question, uh, yeah. uh, John. And t- while we're on money, it's it, it's it be inappropriate not to grill Daryl a bit more. You know, <laughs> the, the, the the gorilla or was that gorilla on uh, on on the last question? Um, Andy Phantom, the the financial uh, chief financial o- officer in the last We Are Sailing podcast, uh, uh, made public about the insurance policy that Chesterfield had for business interruption, Chesterfield Football Club, and the Community Trust. And you know, having recently retired because you're very old, uh, Daryl. Uh, <laughs> we have still not established if you were born earlier on the same day as me or later on the same day as me but i suspect it would be because i think you're older than me and um you know as recently retired from a lifetime in insurance you you've played a a, a role in helping the club to realize the maximum amount from that which is still going on there's still got work going on but i would imagine it's given you an enormous amount of pride to have been part of that process, which has enabled the, the, the trust and the club to thrive just at the moment.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a very difficult period because within weeks of taking over, um, I received a call from uh, from crew who I've known longer than I care to remember, who said to me, a little bird tells me you've retired. And I said, who's been blabbing, Phil Tooley, so that's obviously right there. And, um, and, uh, and he said, uh, we've potentially got cover for business interruption for COVID. Uh, and it was only potentially because, as people may or may not know, uh, lots of businesses had cover for business interruption. But as it turned out, only a very tiny percentage of businesses right across the country, not only football clubs actually had covid cover within that because business interruption cover as a general rule would exclude uh things such as a pandemic and was designed to exclude things such as a pandemic however there were a number of insurers um his one or two others who had let's put it this way foolishly written some policy wordings rather badly and the fca um, having had a number of inquiries from the general public as you would expect when when COVID hit a year last march looked at a number of these cases and decided it was worthwhile taking them to the high court so it was actually fca that took the insurers to the high court for a ruling on behalf of the policyholders and and um, this all started this process while I was still working um, and it was only really resolved late, it might have been late last year, early this year, after a number of appeals and so forth and actually went to the Supreme Court when it was finally agreed that this, there were three or four insurers involved, had indeed fallen foul of, uh, of their intended policy wording and would be liable and thankfully for the club. John had uh, some years earlier, when the club had fallen out of the football league, uh, taken out a policy to cover the club and the trust for all kinds of insurances, which included business interruption. And I'm sure John wouldn't mind me admitting here, uh, he no more knew whether it included pandemic cover than anyone else Um, because it it wasn't designed to. And um, nevertheless, we, we had a, a stroke of fortune in that the policy word in the club and the trust have did fall within that category. So that being the case, John said, I'm out depth, can you give me a hand? So I have been trying uh, to help Andy and John and the trust and Mike and everybody involved in, in pulling the claim together with the brokers, the club's brokers and talking to loss adjusters and all that kind of thing, as you can imagine, it's quite a forensic exercise um, and we've managed to get some payments out of them and there's more money, hopefully, coming the club's way in the next six, six to twelve months.
1: And of course, it's a um, little bit like Jim Bowen on Bullseye, isn't it? It's So it's this is what you could have had because, you know, we've the club's got to prove what would have happened if there had not been a pandemic. and. Because of the increase in interest generated by the turnaround under James Rowe, it's a quick, well, we would have got 4,000, whatever the number is. So it's important Mm. that this year that those numbers are met stroke exceeded because it helps with the ongoing claim an awful lot, I believe.
2: (laughs) It does, Phil, in fact, uh, we're we're arguing on lots of fronts like that, as you can imagine. I mean, one of which is is not to be discounted is just the feel good factor of the trust buying the club, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the not the many more brigade that came out and said, now it's back in the hands of people who actually care about it. We will start coming back, spending money, go to events, attend matches, none of which, of course, they could do. So Mm -hmm. trying to argue uh, a goodwill factor, an extra goodwill factor (laughs) building, as you can imagine, quite entertaining. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and um, you see, you've got, you've got the insurers and the loss adjusters on one side doing their job, and we're trying to do the opposite job, and at, at the minute, I think we're, we're all right. Um, but yes, it, it helps. You know, we, we were arguing that, um, I, think, I think they were trying to, to base some parts of the loss of income on, uh, on an average attendance, for instance, of about 3,800 and we' we've argued all along that you know there's there's no real evidence that that would would have been the true game. And then, when you build into, as you said, Phil, you know the success we started to have under James, I mean, from January, February onwards last year, we'd have we'd have been having seven and eight thousand, and when you were playing uh, you know teams up at the top, the Wrexhams and the Hartleypools and teams like that, you know and, and stockports and whatever. You'd have been locking the gates, but obviously, you know, you can imagine the quite interesting conversations to try and get that point over to the Um, boss. But we're getting there. We're getting there. And and in fairness, fairness, and and and
1: one one of the reasons that it wasn't brought out earlier was, uh, of course, because there was so much going on with grants and Sport England and Mm. buying players like a uh, uh, kabangoshi manga that you don't necessarily want it to be out there in the commercial world that that you might be getting a little bit more in because yeah every player and agent would have wanted a a, a cut wouldn't they along the line mm. so well, well done yeah Daryl hmm. no, I'm just a smoke no, but now you've retired, probably worked harder than they ever have done in your career <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: but it's so, uh, uh, very, very interesting and ongoing as they say yeah lo lovely Right,
1: the, uh, uh, um, is is there any we looking at how much time we've uh, we, we've had? Are there any other points that we've not made yet about anything, Paul, uh, Stuart, Daryl? That we want to make. We'll start with Paul. He's been uh, quietly pressing the record buttons for a while, while Daryl's been dominating the our, our, our loney podcaster. Well, what
0: what I'm pleased to see is that we've got uh, the FA have got trust back in the club, and they're back again. Uh, England under-20s playing yeah. Italy under-20s yeah. on the 7th of October. At the moment, the tickets are East Stand only, um, but it's, it's pleasing to see uh, that the FA have got trust back in the club and uh, hopefully many
1: more games to come as well after that. Yeah, they 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 always were absolutely delighted with the crowds that came to Chesterfield. I know one of the younger age groups, one of the earlier ones, I, I was... You know, I think the crowd was three thousand or something like that, and I was a little bit disappointed. I was talking to one of the FA guys there; was absolutely delighted. So we normally get about two hundred and fifty yep. for this type of match or whatever. So, uh, so they've been really, really uh, uh, delighted with, with with how things have gone, and the fact that it's it's Italy coming as well. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's plenty of our uh, mutual friends of Italian extraction that are absolutely delighted to uh, have the opportunity to see England play Italy and Chesterfield. So, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm th- really th- As well, Phil. The
0: five of uh, thraddles. £2.50 for concessions. That is brilliant.
1: Really good yeah. yeah.
0: in the FA. And, and, says, no, it's,
1: and no doubt it's, the trust are doing school offers as well.
0: Oh, I would, I would assume so, because these bookings are the group bookings as well, isn't it? And they cook-off time's quite friendly. It's 7 o'clock till 9. You know, you know the kids can come can out, even though it's after school. I don't know if it's after him or not. I don't know, but... But, um, but it's still, you know, that, I think it's a really good, uh, really good time. And the ticket prices are really good. Yeah. and I
1: know Stuart have been uh, all the international that have happened at the program uh, because it's been tournaments and ladies games and everything. It's, it's quite a long list, isn't it, really?
3: Yes, it is. There are quite a lot of under 16 games, aren't there? We seem to have been the under 16 Wembley for the, uh, <laughs> for the for that particular England age group over the last um, 10 years um But yeah, women's matches, um all, all sorts of stuff. It, 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 walking football, of course. We've had a walking football European Championships here at one point, haven't we? Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it's really, really good to get the club's name back out there, as you say. You know, and it really does show that the FA have confidence in everything about the way the club is being run and managed. I think the line
0: argue against
3: the fact so that
1: geographically not to, not, uh, not not close to st george's park mm. it's always good
2: yeah daryl any uh, anything you want to add yeah i, I don't know if you you boys are in the know aren't you um i was uh, i was talking to someone the other day who suggested that there's a very strong campaign going on which is which is gaining momentum for the what is now the national league to become
1: the efl three really all right i I, i'm I'm not in the know about that but i'm not surprised Mm.
0: well Uh, i i would think at that point they've got to eradicate the part-time sides um you'll have to become full-time so um so until those particular sides agree to that then It'll be no, but then again I think they'd be outvoted anyway, wouldn't they? Because there's not that many sides. There there are probably enough sides in the regionalised divisions of the national leagues, such
3: as York City, um, who would jump at the chance of stepping up one league and going full time yeah. and and joining an EL three. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well. When James went there, that was
1: one of the things that lost the city, wasn't it? Jen James Rowe went. Mm. Uh, plenty who are willing to to do for it Mm. probably can't have been doing uh, uh, of of course but uh, anyway let's let's end up with talking about uh, Chesterfield again um, on telly next week then three they're all key aren't they Uh, uh, Woking, Southend and Wrexham back to my fixture so what will be a good return Paul from those four games um, I
0: think if you look at uh, three coming up, so Torquay got to win your home games, I'd say. Um, Woking away, we've got to win. You got to think about winning that game, haven't you, as mm-hmm. well against Woking. Um, followed by the game off, and then you got uh, then Wrexham, isn't it? Uh, we, we should be an absolute Crackerjack mm-hmm. of a fixture, shouldn't it? That I get away at Wrexham. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Game being up, extra rest going into it, the, and yeah. they'll be playing at the south.
0: Yeah. It was thinking from uh, from uh, the the board and uh, James. Rowe, I'm sure of giving yourself a uh, a game off, having played the uh, the previous Tuesday. So to give yourself a week off, I think that's yeah. smart thinking. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think I think we. I think our lines up.
0: Oh, we're losing you, my Phil. The
1: is dying, Paul. I think Pills. Uh, is it me <laughs> you're losing or
0: <laughs> I think
1: it's Phil well, we're losing,
0: yeah.
1: All oh, right, might mm. be i lost it years ago. Let me take my yep. uh let me take my audio off and it might make the video a bit uh my video off and it might make the audio a bit better. Ralph right, take the video off as it made the audio better no. mm, now. Yeah,
3: that. I think so. Not slightly better.
1: Anyway. Anyway, we'd all, we'd all take eight points from those four games, wouldn't we? We wouldn't win, draw, draw, draw or oh, anything yeah. on, on on those uh, 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 those games. And of course, sad about Hayden Hollis. We've not really covered oh. him with it. It's an ad one earlier in the season. So you've got to feel for this. Jack Clark, it soon in November. Hopefully, he'll be back in. And then it's Christmas time, and we might be looking for a quasi Asante. when he comes into mm. the, the side, he he could have answered the question where which player do you want back in the side? It might have been a Clausius Sante. Mm.
0: Wow, well, mm. it. Shats- you know. bats- yeah. see him in Flesher as well. Yeah, so, not, nobody's actually yeah. seen the play other than via stream, have they? So um, yeah. something to look forward to. Uh, I believe. Anyway,
2: I think while the they, what? yeah mm. Mm. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, while
1: while the sounds dying a little bit, I think that's call it a day about uh, insurance policies and we've talked about uh, the vice presidency and we might mention that spy rights are top of the league so from me Phil Tooley, Stuart Bass Daryl Carpenter and Paul Fisher here on the Spies Blue Podcast sorry about the little audio at the end but we'll speak to you again at some stage in the future enjoy the next few matches
0: And if you like this podcast, then don't forget to subscribe. Please rate and review us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts and many of your favourite podcast providers.